great bit of writing, I suppose, but what a frightening world that is, away from all the warmth of God and unaware of God's love. If we want to be true friends of those in whose lives God seems to have no place, we should do all we can to help them share our faith and come into the church. The world is so much better a place than they seem to think. After my ordination, I was working in a far from prosperous part of the country. And as I went round the homes, I was struck by the amazing happiness I found there. It was of a quality I'd never really before experienced. I'm sure it was due to their faith and their sacramental life. As a Protestant, as a child, I'd known happy homes, but this was a different sort of happiness, and it, it was very beautiful. And on the other hand, I remember a young man who was sent to me for instruction. He'd been through two courses of instruction before, but never gone further. He was a very serious young man. I could never raise a smile from him. He always looked as though he'd just had the sinking of the Titanic. Amazing. This time, however, he decided to be received into the church. And after the ceremony, when he'd been in confession and received Holy Communion of the Mass, as I said goodbye to him, he smiled for the first time and said, Why didn't I do this before? It's a fact that the, the possession of the faith gives you a joy that the world doesn't know of. So, if we're truly fond of our non-Catholic friends, we should try to help them share our faith. A Catholic friend of mine asked my mother when she was 60 if there was any reason why she didn't become a Catholic. My mother had no real reason, and to her great joy she was instructed and received. So we should try to help our friends. Whom can God use if he doesn't use us? St. John Chrysostom says, There's nothing colder than the heart of a Christian who is unconcerned about his neighbor's salvation. And you don't need big arguments either. You yourself have perhaps your best argument. A man told me once that a friend of his had got cancer with only six months to live. Would I ask him if he'd like to become a Catholic? I said, no, you ask him. God will help you say the right thing. It turned out that the man did want to become a Catholic, so I instructed him and received him to the church, and then he died. I asked his friend, what do you say to make him want to be a Catholic? He said, I told him that if he became a Catholic, he could be back. He could be buried near me. <laughs> this will illustrate St. Paul's claim that the foolishness of God is wiser than men. The Holy Spirit used those words devoid of any argument or proof to bring a man to desire the gift of faith and to a happy death. Our faith is certainly our greatest treasure. I'll read something from Pope John's diary. He wrote it, at the beginning of this century, when St. Pius X was condemning modernism. And it shows how a very gifted man knew that his greatest treasure was the possession of, of the faith, the faith he'd got from his mother and his family. So this was before the year 1910, I think. He was still in the seminary, and he wrote, Faith is such a common virtue that it's almost overlooked, especially by ecclesiastics. It is, as it were, the air of Christian life, and who notices or pays any attention to the air we breathe? Nevertheless, I find the practical application of this virtue most important in the times in which we live. 
I want to guard my faith carefully, like a sacred treasure. Most of all, I want to be true to that spirit of faith which is being gradually whittled away by the so-called requirements of criticism in the atmosphere and light of modern times. If the Lord should grant me a long life and the opportunity of being a useful priest in his church, I want it to be said of me, and I'll be prouder of this than of any other title, that, a, that I was a priest of lively, simple faith, solidly behind the Pope and for the Pope always, even in matters not officially defined, in every detail of seeing and feeling. I want to be like those good old Bergamo priests of old of blessed memory, who neither saw nor desired it to see further than could be seen by the Pope, the bishops, common sense, and the mind of the Church. And a few years later he wrote, During this retreat, Jesus, my blessed Lord, has deigned to give me an even clearer understanding of the necessity of keeping whole and intact my sense of faith and my being of one mind with the Church. For he has shown me in a dazzling light the wisdom the timeliness and nobility of the measures taken by the Pope to safeguard the clergy, in, partic in particular, from the infection of modern errors, the so-called modernist errors, which in a crafty and tempting way are trying to undermine the foundations of Catholic doctrine. The painful anxieties of this year, the great anxieties of the Holy Father, and the pronouncements of the religious authorities have convinced me without the need of other proof, that this wind of modernism blows very strongly and more widely than seems at first sight, and that it may very likely strike and bewilder even those who at first are moved only by the desire to adapt the ancient truths of Christianity to modern needs. I must always remember that the Church contains within herself the eternal youth of the truth and of Christ, and is of all ages. It is the Church which transforms and saves the peoples and the times, not the other way round. The most precious treasure of my soul is my faith, the holy, pure, simple faith of my parents and the other good old folk in my family. I will be vigilant and strict with myself, lest the purity of my faith should come to any harm. The dangers that Pope John wrote about nearly 90 years ago are still with us today, and even more so. Then it was mainly priests and theologians who fell away from the faith. But today, when on Sundays I look at a church full of grey-haired Catholics, I wonder, what's happened to all the boys and girls who went through our Catholic schools? Why do they no longer come to Mass? In what ways have we failed them? How have they come to lose the faith? And did they ever really have the faith? Many of them, I think, never did. At baptism, of course, they received the seed of faith, together with a life of grace. But their faith was never allowed to develop into a lived awareness. It's like when you buy, buy a plant from the nursery and forget to water it. However much you paid for it, if you forget to water it, it'll still die. Perhaps those young people never received an adequate catechetical formation and their faith could never develop. Some of our catechetical centres have surely done much harm. They taught many bright new ideas but not the traditional Catholic faith. 
I remember in the 1970s talking to a young priest who was all at sixes and sevens in the faith. Finally, he said, well, for better or worse, I'm a product of Corpus Christi. And about six months later, he left the priesthood. Corpus Christi College was the National Catechetical Centre and did incalculable harm before Cardinal Heenan finally closed it down. I went to one of their summer schools, run by the principal and vice-principal, both of whom later left the priesthood. The lectures on the Mass and on Confession were, I remember, far from sound. The priest treated Confession from the merely psychological point of view, altogether prescinding from sacramental grace and the supernatural. He concluded the lecture by warning us that frequent confession was harmful. I wasn't surprised to learn a few months later that he had been laicized. Many good people have lost the faith through listening uncritically to false teaching. They don't realize that false doctrine is spiritual poison. But I'll come to that, back to that point later. I'm sure, too, that we priests are partly to blame for the apostasy that we see. If we were more dedicated, more like the Curia Vars or St. John Bosco, if there were more of us like St. Francis of Sales or St. John of the Cross or St. Francis Xavier, if we prayed like those saints of old, if we had their zeal for souls, surely there wouldn't be so many ex-Catholics around today. Maybe we've been too eager to learn of the new theology, too eager to try out the latest liturgy, too little given to prayer and mortification. <laughs>